And good evening. Tonight's edition of Powering Michigan's Future comes to you live from the Yankee Rebel Tavern in Mackinac Island during the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. I'm Lloyd Jackson, and get ready for an action-packed hour, including hot topics from the conference and perspectives from a wide variety of business and elected leaders. Our guests tonight include show sponsors, the Powering Michigan IBEW Local 58 and the National Electric Contractors Association, NECA, Guests including Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle, Kelly Lavati, who is CEO of the Macomb County Chamber, leaders from the construction industry, finance, HR, and more. So you need to stay tuned for WJR's Powering Michigan's Future, live from the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference, only on 760 WJR. And thank you. We're kicking off the show tonight with Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle and Macomb Chamber CEO Kelly Lavati. Mr. CEO and Kelly, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Lloyd. Thank you for having us. Let me Appreciate start with you, Kelly. Let's <laughs> kick it off. Um, you know, the conference theme here at the Mackinac Policy Conference has been the power of Anne. So what role does Macomb County's chamber play in growing that power of Anne? And, and talk about some examples. So, you know, Lloyd, historically the chambers of commerce have been the toolbox for businesses. Um, we provide the resources and space for businesses to learn to work together, network, and grow their markets. As a chamber, we can provide those tools and be the conduit to other businesses and um, resources. One example that I can really think of when I think of the power of and strategic partnerships, mm -hmm. we have a really good example with our Macomb County Executive Office and their Economic and Planning Department. As we work together, um, you can see that <coughs> We can come together, and that's one form of a power a van, van, right? Yes, right, right. <laughs> and we can support our local businesses with stronger and deeper resources. We can help them explore opportunities to create their own and by diversifying their production, uh, their business plan, their operations, and even their market segments. Um, we saw that during the uh, you know pandemic, a lot of companies were able to start producing essential product productions. They altered their operations to provide that safe workplace, mm -hmm. and they really um, were putting in um, like they changed their business hours to help accommodate the reduced workforces. So that was a really good example. I talked to a restaurant one time where uh, you know they went from a seven-day work week uh -huh. down to Wednesday through Sunday reduced their hours from four to nine, and they had higher profits than the history of the business, which was a long-time family business. Did any of them do any hybrid where people were in and working? No, they actually just reduced the hours, but their employees were happier. They worked smaller, but and then they created demand. There were people lined up outside the door at wow. four o'clock. So really being innovative, you know, and that is the power of working together with our partners. We can be that supportive. We can help them accommodate that and, you know, and utilize the resources that are available out there. Another example of a strategic partner is... Uh, the Chamber hosts an aerospace and defense um, industry coalition, mm -hmm. and this is where we bring together industry partners, legislators, and academia, academia. We really work together to share ideas, success stories, and failures, um, and explore where we need to position Macomb County and Michigan in the future in the industry. So, you know, these strategic partners are an example of a strong organization, and the stronger, more purposeful organizations we could be together. And you guys, are, you know, it seems like it's teamwork. It's yeah, a lot it of teamwork. Is, definitely, definitely. Uh, County Executive, uh, I saw your billboard on the way up. <laughs> it stared me in the face, let me know what was going on <laughs> in Macomb County. Listen, um, 
the county is exploring uh, a number of major investments and, and implementing a, a mindful approach to mental health. And we talked about this uh, during uh, Paul's show uh, when he had the um, the uh, show on St. Patrick's Day. We kind of talked about that. From from your central intake and assessment project to modernizing other facilities, how will this approach help transform your community? Yeah, this is a, it's an incredible project. I'm excited about it. But before I get into that, i got to tell you, folks, that your listening audience, boy, being out here on the island, uh, I tell you, I've never seen such beautiful weather here. Oh. Uh, Kelly Lavati, the, the chamber president here in Macomb County, i got to tell you, this this is what she would consider a, a, a chamber day. This is a, <laughs> this, the, the chamber kind of weather you would expect. Oh, hope for. yeah, because it's usually rainy or cold beautiful. here. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but again, the, the whole idea about, the, you know, when you talked about the billboard, it's a mindset. We've done it 11 years ago. We always try to come up here with some kind of a, a theme and try to get people to understand. And when you talk about the power of hand, when we look at what's going on with mental health right now in Macomb County, we're trying to approach what we're doing with building and facilitating, fixing a jail uh, that has been an issue for the last 25, 30 years. We now have the funds available to help support that. But as we're doing it, we've got the, this mindful approach towards mental health in making that change. So we know mental health institutions were closed around the state. And I think law enforcement recognizes that most of your jail intakes were the ones that were inundated with having to care for people that have mental health issues. So when we're building this new jail, we have to have an understanding of the type of jail we're building to support the needs of the type of people that are coming into those facilities so we can provide the treatment that's necessary. So it's with the mind towards mental health uh, is going to be the focus on what we're doing in Macomb County. You know, the, the late Benny Napoleon uh, once told me that he ran the largest mental health facility in the state, which was the Wayne County Jail. Yes. So, you know, jails are mental health facilities. They're not really built to be that, but that's what they've become. You're absolutely right. And again, that whole idea, when we started talking about, you know, the, the, the approach about 25, 30 years ago when they started thinking about closing these institutions yep, uh-huh. around the state, uh-huh. you know, there was a, there was a thought saying, you know what, we need to look at community-based support that might be there. But that safety net wasn't there when they closed those institutions. So who got inundated? The jails, the law enforcement, our hospital systems. I mean, they're inundated, our schools. So the question becomes, you know, what are we going to do to try to figure out how do we rectify that? Well, in Macomb County, instead of talking about we need to do something about mental health, uh, we are looking at something we can have an impact on as a county, building a facility to manage those type of people that come in. And those that don't need to stay in a county jail where treatment is a better option, working with community mental health, we're moving that forward. So we got great support. Our board of commissioners, Don Brown, who happens to be here today, he's walking around working the island. He's leading that from the perspective of the, of the actual board of commissioners to try to make sure that funding is there to support that type of a project here. And, in the and you know, county executive, you know, every year when we come together here on the island, this event, you know, it brings so many wonderful partners focused on talent and talent development. And I know that's something that you're looking at, but how does building talent in Macomb County, how is it so unique in Macomb County? I got to tell you, one, one prime example is, you know, the power of hand. We work with our ISD, Mike DeVault. Uh, he is an incredible resource. He is tied in with every one of our schools in Macomb County, whether it's the public and or private. And uh, working with them, along with Jim Sawyer, who's the president of Macomb Community College, I tell you, they are so focused on trying to figure out how do we help develop talent, the type of talent that the businesses need in Macomb County and beyond. So we got a great working relationship, partnership with our school, our educators, with the businesses in Macomb County, with our Chamber of Commerce. So the power of and is what's really going to help us develop and drive that talent uh, in Macomb County so that we are getting people prepared for the jobs of tomorrow. Kelly Lavati and Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle, appreciate you being here on Powering Michigan Future. Always great to see you. Thanks, Lloyd. Thank Have you, a good Lloyd. rest of the conference. You too. Appreciate, appreciate it. You too. Stay you. tuned for more Powering Michigan Future live from the Yankee Rebel Tavern on Mackinac Island, 760 WJR. 
And it's the WJR Powering Michigan's Future special broadcast live from the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. We welcome into the show Jeanette Bradshaw. She's political director, IBEW Local 58. Tim Leonard is here. He's owner of Streamline Electric and Solar at NECA member contractor. And Sean Patterson, vice president of environmental management and safety at DTE. Lady and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Jeanette, let me start with you. How is Local 58 preparing the workforce for new technologies like EV and solar and energy storage? Well, thank you, Lloyd, and thank you for having us here tonight. So the International Brotherhood of Electric Workers, Local 58, we will be training these in these industries just as we have in the last over 100 years. It doesn't matter if it's electrical vehicle charging, if it's solar, if it's wind. It is electrical work, and it is what we have been training high-quality, well-professional electricians for over 100 years in southeast Detroit. So, you know, these are, are these new types of jobs or within the work of the IBEW? It's already within the, the wheelhouse of the IBEW, absolutely. So it's, you know, I, I'll just really quick, it's, yeah. a, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a five-year program to become a licensed electrician in the state of Michigan because all of that electrical work here needs to be done by a licensed electrician. And that is what we do at IBW Local 58. We train the next generation takes five years so we already have 700 apprentices already in training right now to start taking the place of those that are leaving right now but this these industries this is what we've been doing since they came in and and with the evs i mean these this is this is huge now and you're going to be needing these electricians these certified electricians and people going into this uh particular uh, line of work i mean this is a good career it is an absolute wonderful career. I've been in the industry for over 22 years, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Our electricians, they will be putting in those EV chargers. They will be continuing to put in solar. They will also be continuing to put in that, that, the wind power. We've been in the EV industry since the, when, before the Volt came out. So we've been in this industry for over a decade. Oh, yeah. So this, this is not new. It's electrical work. It's what we all have a passion for. And what we're looking for are, are, are people who really want, who, who have that passion to build, but also have the knowledge and the capability of coming in and producing a really great career. Tim, we talked a little, a little earlier today, and, yes. and I, I'm glad you're here to be uh, with us. There's so much happening electronically right now that impacts homes. And, and I, I need you to talk to the listeners about how Streamline Electric and Solar and NECA are helping customers integrate these new technologies into their homes. Well, just like, <coughs> excuse me, just like Jeanette said that we use the IBW electricians because we're really trying to educate the public, the homeowners on what this electric vehicle movement is, is doing for our homes um, and how solar and how battery storage all fits in. So there's a large educational piece that comes with this. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of questions about, you know, it's just not purchasing a car anymore. You purchase the car and then you have to make a potentially a modification to your home. And we want to make sure that they understand what they're doing and how it potentially can affect their, their electrical system. So. We come in, we provide solutions for just not only the electrical vehicle, but we also kind of prepare them for the future. So we, we talk to them about uh, smart panel upgrades, electrical panel upgrades. We talk to them about solar. We talk to them about battery storage. So these are all the things that we want to not only, you know, take care of what they need today, but we also want to prepare them for what, what's coming as well. And it's that transition. And some people, you know, they are used to one thing, but you're talking about, 
the EV charges in the home and, and, and other uh, issues, uh, electrical issues at the home, and they're saying, okay, well, you know, this, this may be a little too much. I, I, I'm not used to this. And so as you're, you come in and say, listen, this is, this is what it's all about. That's exactly right. We, we come in and we, we do electrical safety inspection. We want to make sure that their uh, current uh, system is, is up to snuff, and we, we give them suggestions, um, and then we, we prepare them, like I said, for, the, for that day. But then we also try to stay with that customer. We want to come back and make sure that we're maintaining the electrical system because the home electrical system is going to look a lot different than, than it does today, five years from now. And it's really because of that electric vehicle that's coming into their home. You talk about solar as well, and people are, you know, still trying to, you know, figure out the solar part. And, you know, and I say people that I've talked to say, you know, I like the solar, but, you know, I don't live in Florida. We live in Michigan, and we don't have a whole lot of sun, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't have solar. No, it doesn't at all. You know, uh, the, the sun rises every day, whether it's behind clouds or not, you still have daytime. So solar, the UV ray still comes through, and they it does uh, still affect the solar. And you, you may not, on sunny days, obviously, you get the best output. Sure. But even on those cloudy days, you still get uh, production for those solar panels. So whether it, it's cloudy or not, wintertime, you still get great, great production here in Michigan. Sean, as the Vice President of Environmental Management and Safety, what keeps you busy at DTE? Well, we are very busy at DTE, and thank, thanks for having me. Yes. Um, but it's an exciting time. It really is a really interesting time in our industry. We are trying to move as fast as we can with clean energy. Um, of course, balancing that with affordability and reliability, making sure that the grid is stable and yes. the power is there. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're coming a long ways. We've cut our emissions significantly over a good period of time now. Since 2009, we've invested $3 billion dollars and wind and solar projects. Wow. And uh, we just recently put on the biggest wind park in uh, Michigan. That it's, it's, it's interesting the scale of these projects, um, how big they're becoming. So this one, this one wind park can power over 77,000 homes. So you think about that, that's one wind park that is basically powering a mid-sized city. So um, you know, we're well on our way to our journey uh, of becoming a net zero uh, producer of electricity. And, um, yeah, it's, it's busy, but it's such a great time to be in this industry. But it's also going to take more investment, though, as well, to continue what you guys are doing. It is. So you know, I said $3 billion by 2025 will have doubled that. Wow. And, you know, it's just going to continue to be a path of putting more and more renewables on the grid. And, but it's important that we make sure we've got baseload generation, too. We've got to keep our nuclear plant uh, <laughs> running. And we're going to need, we're gonna need uh, some type of dispatchable generation, probably gas is not going to have to run all the time, but the days when we don't have all the sun we need and we don't have abundant wind, we're going to need 24-7 uh, power on the grid. Um, you were talking about, too, Tim, when we had talked earlier about the, the upgrade, uh, uh, electrical upgrade at smart home, panels. Smart, smart panels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, technology is, is wonderful and people are getting into that, but that's another part of education that people need to know about because they start thinking, oh, man, a smart panel, what does that mean? I mean, you know, is, is it going to just be outrageous? Am I going to be able to handle my electric yeah. now? Yeah. I used to just have a dial, and, right. you know, now i got to go through the smart panel, which yeah. is an app. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the smart panel is, is, is pretty intuitive with what we, what we do right now. Uh, it, it's a basic panel upgrade, but it, it really gives the homeowner a, a visual of what their consumption is. So whether they're using utility power or they're producing their own 
or even if they're storing power in, in a battery, it allows them to regulate that, and then they can help. They can control their cost a little bit better. Okay. So on those uh, on those cloudy days where you might not get as much production, and you do need the utility to come in and and you know give you the power that you need, um, you can you can still regulate that on your own. Uh, customize it to what you want to do and it helps you control your cost a little bit better and when you start talking about controlling your cost as far as you know as far as you're managing your budgets in your home then that's that's powerful so is this when you when you talk about an upgrade is this similar to like old homes that had um, the um, fuses who changed the circuit breakers and now a lot of people are changing from circuit breakers to yeah yeah those circuit breakers are 50, 40 to 50 years old now. I mean, the fuses were even oh, older than that. Right. So, so those those circuit breakers, those cables that are even coming to your house, a lot of those are getting upgraded now. And we are in, we are really encouraging everyone to install a smart panel. There's really no reason for you to install that 100 year old electrical circuit breaker panel that is that old. You should. We are we're encouraging everyone to, to upgrade to a smart panel. And a smart panel, you can you can add little bells and whistles as you as you live with it, and you know depending on how much uh, visual you, capacity you want on your phone, but it, it's a great tool, and, and that's really all we install is the smart panel. So then I want to ask you uh, before we wrap up about um, the the infrastructure and of the EV chargers because a lot of people I talk to say, listen, I, I like my car, and if I'm on vacation and I'm driving up the road, I know at every exit it's probably a gas station where I can go fill up, but I'm not so sure about the EV chargers and if it's going to be one, if I'm going to run out of uh, electricity. Um, are, you know, your people, I, I, I know they're going to be busy, and are we going to have these EV chargers enough to really, uh, you know, make people feel comfortable? Well, I appreciate that you brought up that question because it wasn't just a couple of weeks ago that we had the we had the Secretary of Transportation here in the city of Detroit. Well, actually, we're on the island, but in the city of Detroit. Uh, with a partnership with Windsor. So there is a corridor being started in, Cal I, think, I believe it's Kalamazoo, all the way across to Quebec, a binational corridor. Oh, wow. And every 50 miles, there will be an EV charger. And so these chargers are going, just having that here in, in our area, in the state of Michigan, but, you know, we have a governor who's 100% supporting EV in this state. We are in the motor city. Why would we not be the, the leaders? Yes. And the IBW, NECA, I know DTE, I know consumer. We are all on board to make this happen. And we have, the, we have the workers, we have the contractors, we have the companies, and let's just get it started. Jeanette, Sean, Tim, thank you so much for being on Powering Michigan's Future. Thank, thank you very Enjoy much. the rest of the thank conference. You. Thank you. And welcome uh, to the Yankee Tavern. We are at the... 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference, and we will have more of Powering Michigan's Future coming your way in just a moment here on Mackinac Island, 760 WJR. And welcome back to Powering Michigan's Future. We're live at the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. Thanks for listening. We're joined by Dave Girdon. He's regional president, Fifth Third Bank, Eastern Michigan, and Mark Saba, executive director of Sheet Metal and Air Conditioning National Association, SMACNA. Gentlemen, appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Good evening, Lloyd. Great to be here. Dave, let me start with you. There's almost, you know, a little over uh, uh, 900,000, almost a million small businesses to call Michigan home, and they play a very important part in our state economy. How does Fifth Third support these small businesses? You know, that's something that we really find as part of our corporate culture. You know, we love to bank the big companies, and we have relationships there, but 
you know, 80% of your economy is driven off small business. Mm -hmm. and, and when we say that, that that's the mom store up to, you know, five, 10, 20 million dollars. Sure. And it's a tremendous space. And we see that as what we want to do organization, build a very granular book of business, one that you're with one with the community, you know, we live and work together, your kids go to school together. And it, it's kind of old school banking a little bit. Okay. But it's the type you want to be in because it, it's great diversification in terms of risk profile. You can see a tangible outcome. You know, you're improving the lives of your community. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, I love driving by somewhere where I lent the money and I see a building there and I see a store and an operator. You know, you go into a restaurant and you know the owner. Yeah. You know, that's what we are as an organization. We're kind of grassroots. You know, we're super regional. We're a big organization. We run it on a very regional basis. You know, we're one with our community as a thought. Did, we, did the banks lose that at a certain point? Did they lose that? You know, I think some things happened coming out of the, you know, it's called the Great Recession uh -huh. in terms of this thought process of how to do business. And, you know, I grew up in that part of the, the world, you know, community banking up into big banking. And Fifth Third culturally is what we've kind of brought back. It's just our CEO on down. It's the mindset of we need to own our business at the regional level. You, you know, we're the one that are grassroots. You know, I'm the leader from the bank. It's here at the policy conference. Uh -huh. And, you know, you need leadership locally. I know what happens and, you know, how the sun rises and sets in, in Metro Detroit. You know, someone sitting out of state, they don't see it the same way. But we're bringing that back, and it's just what we're going to do. And you know, we have investments in the neighborhoods, and how do we promote small business and, and home ownership? You know, they kind of tie together. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I, I need a, a new solid neighborhood, and, you know, we're investing in the G7 neighborhood, Gratiot 7, and, you know, we're seeing stability start to come back around ownership, uh, some good partners here, building homes, you know, getting people into them. You, know, you got a, You got a neighborhood. You got a, a place to shop. And you know, uh, there has been a lot of investment in downtown Detroit, of course, and, and more recently, though, as you said, the uh, surrounding neighborhoods. And uh, talk about Fifth Third and what they've done to support these residents and businesses outside of the Central Business District right. in the neighborhood. And you're spot on. Central Business, it's great. Love it. Love love the view. Sure. But you go in the neighborhood, and it, a lot of challenges are access to capital. You know, so some of it starts with education. You know, we fund a lot of programs to teach business owners, you know, how to run their, their organization. Many of them know how to make a product, you know, how to sell it. You got to know how to do your books. You got to know how to pay your taxes. Uh -huh. you, know, those, you know how to get a bank loan. So some of that's very grassroots oriented. We're, we're there on the streets helping people. And then access to capital around certain things. Small business products are great. You know, aligning people with, you know, investors, angel investors. You know, that small business part of it, you know, it, once they get it up and running, remember, you know, Henry Ford started as a small business. Yes, he did. You know, and, it, and it kind of grew up into something more. Yeah. So we stay focused there. And, and once again, there's no easy way to do it, but to, to be part of it and run programming, be part of the community. And, you know, we, we take all calls and we've, we've got great success stories that go beyond the amount of time we have tonight of small businesses that have grown up and become big businesses and, you know, still live and work in our community. You know, and you see these uh, communities, like you were saying, G7. That area, uh, Livernoy, Seven Mile, a lot of these uh, areas in the neighborhoods that are flourishing now. You and Mayor, you and you and the Mayor have uh, come together on some things as well. You know, big fan of Mike. I think he's done great things in putting together business partners to help support the mission, and that's where Fifth Third has stepped in. And you know, our neighborhood is, is starting to see recovery come back. And there's things you have to do. You know, you need facade gr grants to make the small businesses. They need to look nice. People want to shop in nice places. They want to engage with those people. Absolutely. So that does take grant money, and we, you know, we put money out there, out there for that. But you need people in the community that are committed. And, and I think that's the great thing about the city of Detroit is you have tremendous leadership that are committed to making it go. And you got great people who live in the city that want to see the, it, it do well and prosper as well. 
Um, uh, Mark, let me bring you in. And I know Smackna Detroit has this heavy metal summer camp. But talk about this experience with that. So, well, first of all, thank you, Life, for having us again this year. We sure. really appreciate it. Um, you know, with recruitment in any industry, it could be rough. In the construction industry, it's that much rougher when you're competing with the colleges, whether they want to go to college or whether they want to pick up a trade. Uh-huh. Um, so Smack the National came up with a program. It's called the uh, Heavy, uh, Heavy Metal Summer Camp Experience, where we take high school students and train them for four weeks, two days a week, bring them into the shops, let them work on projects, and get the full experience of what it is like to be a sheet metal worker in the market today. Wow. Um, also, uh, which is really good, Tim Mulligan, the business manager for Local 80, he's opened up the training center. Mm-hmm. He'll sit down with these students, explain to them what the apprenticeship program is all about, how you can make a lot of money in this trade. As we talked about it before, yes. there's nothing wrong with college, but you get out of college, you've got $100,000 debt. You become a sheet metal worker in four years, you're making $100,000 a year. And no debt. And, and no debt, exactly. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a great project. Matt Kramer, uh, the owner of uh, D. Kramer, one of our contractors, took on this project in Michigan. He's the first. We hope that it spreads to some of our other contractors. Uh, but uh, he's doing a great job with it. All our Smack the Contractors pitched in. They're buying all the students that come through the class brand-new Red Wing boots. Oh, so wow. So it's, 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 it's really a nice deal. Milwaukee Tool is going to give him a bucket of tools. It's, it's a no-lose proposition. You know, uh, that, that's, that's great to hear because these uh, young high school uh, kids uh, a lot of times don't know exactly what goes into being a, a sheet metal worker. And to have this experience, it, it, it just kind of, that light bulb kind of goes on like, man, I can, I can do this. Exactly. We, we've talked about this before, Lord, yeah. with you, and I, I know it's really amazing when you think about it. It's not just climbing up a ladder and swinging a hammer. There's so many different facets to our industry now, especially with technology. There's a lot of different things man, woman can do in this sure. trade and make a good living. Now, you know, we have talked about, and everybody knows about the opioid crisis and, and what that has done. And I know Smagna um, is involved in the opioid issue. Talk about what you guys are doing when it comes to opioids. Right. So uh, I'm happy to say that working with Pat Devlin with Detroit Building Trades, along with Tim Codd, who's... Uh, He's highly respected in the medical field, as well as a trusted friend of labor, put together a bill for the governor to sign, which he did. And this, is, uh, this bill uh, concerns opioids as far as whether you accept them or not. So anywhere you go for, whether it's uh, your doctor, a hospital, the emergency room, you have to have the option of taking a non-opioid uh, prescription, Wow, which That's is good. really big. And this yes. is the most comprehensive bill ever signed in the country, and we have it right here in the state of Michigan. That is excellent. Um, Dave, I'm going to bring you back in. We just got about a minute and a half left, but I wanted to ask you about inflation. With inflation at 4.5%, talk about the possibility of recession and what Fifth Third's outlook is on the economy. Yeah, thanks, Lloyd. You know, we're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, a couple things we need to see is that we need to see inflation cool. And if it doesn't, you know, we're looking at fall. That we, we think we slide into a mild recession. You know, there's going to be some pressures. Okay. And, and it, it's going to trickle over into the beginning of next year. You know, it's, it, this data is coming from a lot of smarter guys than me that work for the <laughs> bank, trust me. But, you know, but things, are, you know, things are starting to happen. You know, we've got to take care of the debt ceiling issue. You know, they gotta, we, I hate to say we've got to check boxes on yes. topics, but, but we do. And then you'll see some moderation of spending. But on the other side, you got unemployment at three and a half percent, and you know we don't need to drive or into a recession by creating unemployment. So we're optimistic that if rates flatten out, that ceiling gets taken care of. 
things calm down by fall, we're, we, we get that soft landing people talk about. Otherwise, we get we got a bumpy few months. But we're resilient, and we're, we've all been there and done it. We're going to get through it again. Dave Girdot, Regional President, Fifth Third Bank, Eastern Michigan, and Mark Saba, Executive Director of Sheet Metal and Air Conditioning National Association, SMACNA. Thank you guys both for being here. Appreciate what you're doing, and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks, Lloyd. Thank you, Lloyd. Stay tuned for more Powering Michigan's Future, live from the Yankee Rebel Tavern here on Mackinac Island, 760 WJR. And we continue our conversation tonight with business and construction leaders and welcome Laura Kopak, Mechanical Contractors Association of Detroit, Government and Legislative Affairs, Maria Silimianos, who is CEO of Colab PEO, and Matt Casey with the law firm Warner Norcross and Judd. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, Maria, let me start with you. Um, how would businesses benefit from a partnership with a company like Collab for human resources support? Quite frankly, we help businesses succeed. And how we do that is we administer human resources. We provide payroll service, workers' compensation, employee benefits, ensure compliance. We allow the business owner to focus on their business increase their market share, improve their product or service, focus on what you do best, mm -hmm. and let us administer the HR behind the scenes, allowing you to do what you do best. Do you find that there are many businesses that need that help so they can focus um, on their core pro product or project? A hundred percent, especially since COVID. Post-COVID, what we learned was businesses didn't really know what to do. And I saw a big uptick in our market share during that time. So um, absolutely, absolutely. Our industry has been steadily growing year over year over year. And there are very few businesses that I meet with that don't recognize the need. I mean, currently they're outsourcing their payroll. Mm -hmm. They have workers' compensation, so they've got an agent for that, an agent for their employee benefits, 401k, an attorney, Matt, not to my friend, the over <laughs> but they have attorneys that assist them with their compliance. They are already outsourcing to four or five different vendors. And what I do is I just wrap my arm around them. I sit down, I speak with them, I learn about their business, I learn about what keeps them awake at night, and then put together a service model that best suits their needs. That is remarkable. Laura, um, what initiatives uh, are priority items for the Mechanical Contractors Association for Detroit right now? Well, right now with so many contracts coming into the city and so much development, uh, we're looking for uh, employment resources and having people come into our apprentice programs. So we're reaching out to CTE, uh, Career Technical Education Schools, not only in Detroit, but in the Tri-County area. And also with respect to our political leaders, it's like city council, commissioners, mayors, because they really know the heart of their cities mm -hmm. and the heart of the educational system. So hopefully with collaborations with all the entities that we've built up in the last 10 years, we'll be able to layer it with the, the people in the political structure that can reach out to the communities, to the churches, to other um, organizations that can help us recruit apprentices into the program. Because I, and I know that you, you, you have some that are retiring. You need to yes. replace these uh, uh, journeymen who, you know, who are leaving. But this is a good career, though. This is a great career for a young person to come in and, and do this. It is a great career because not only do, do, will they earn more uh, money with overtime and benefits than a college graduate, they'll have no debt. They also have the uh, ability to travel nationwide. 
and they have um, also, if they want to, they can also have a parallel path to college and earn credits from their apprentice schools to be applied to their associate's degree. So it's, it's really a win-win for a lot of people that would not have similar opportunities just going to college. Since you've been here, has anything resonated with you from the conference? Well, I think everybody is, you know, uh, trying to implement policies, like Maria said, in terms of, you know, in, uh, employment and trying to have wraparound programs. I, certainly the child care issue is very important in our trade because child care um, businesses don't open usually until 6 or 7. If a tradesperson is going out to a job that's in, an, in another uh, suburb, they could start out on the road at 4 o'clock in the morning or mm -hmm, 5, mm -hmm. and certainly unless you have relatives, you're not going to find a daycare center. Right. And, you know, then also transportation, you know, that's, that's been an issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're talking about mobility. I mean, there's some communities that don't tie in together at all. So how are you going to get from point A to point B for a job if there's no public transportation? Um, Matt, let me bring you in, and we're going to talk about some legal services. Uh, what do you see happening in Michigan with regard to demand for legal services? Well, Lloyd, thanks, first of all, for having me on the show. Sure. It's so great to meet you, and uh, great to be here at, on Mackinac and enjoying each other again post-pandemic. Yes. Uh, seems like everyone's glad to be out with each <laughs> and other great again. great weather, too. Great weather. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so um, we are, uh, well, let me, little plug for the firm sure. first. Uh, we have about 230 lawyers, professionals in Michigan, including nine offices. I'm the executive partner of the Macomb office, have uh, a number of lawyers in, in that office. We have three offices in Detroit, uh, in Bloomfield, downtown, and in Macomb County. So um, we're trying to cover all of the bases in Michigan, and we are a full-service law firm that provides every legal service that you could require. To answer your question, though, <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, we're seeing robust demand for legal services. The economy is, uh, at least for legal services, continuing to be uh, robust. So um, we're, uh, we're happy to be here and happy to be amongst our friends again and uh, finding ways to do business in this great state. What do you anticipate regarding the growth of the firm? Well, we're continuing to grow. As I said, we have uh, about 230 uh, professionals uh, throughout the state of Michigan, and we anticipate that we're going to, I, I wouldn't put a specific number on it, but I would anticipate we will continue to grow within the state and perhaps at some point even outside the state. So um, we, uh, we are growing. Maria, um, how does Collab PEO attract and retain employees? Quite frankly, similar to the employer, we are... Um, offering them benefits that they may not be able to have access to. Um, things like 401k. Mm -hmm. Many employers simply can't afford the 401k plan, don't want to administer it, and we offer that, Flex 125. And also, again, it's one-stop shopping, so to speak. The employee calls one number, they have a challenge with their payroll, they have a question about their 401k, they have a question about their benefits, they have a person or persons assigned to that account that is always there to help them. And again, compliance is a big issue and ensuring that they're where, where they're to support the employer. And, and before we uh, leave, Laura, I want to ask you about how people can become an apprentice. What do they need to do? How can they apply? 
Well, there's a lot of different ways. There's a, at least a, 17 different trades. So they would have to call the uh, school and find out when their application process is open, apply, uh, take the respective test that is required of that industry, and then go into the interview. Uh, they you know, obviously have to have a, either you know, college, uh, GED or high school diploma, uh, be drug free, have reliable transportation, and um, study for the test, pass it, and go to the interview. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, some of the process. But uh, we always recommend that if people are going to take the test, to start studying at least six months out for some of the trades, like the electricians. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. All right. Well, Maria, Laura, and Matt, appreciate you being here Thank on Powering you. Michigan's okay. Future. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks so much Thank for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Bye now. And uh, let me say thanks to all of our guests who were here this evening. Uh, Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle was here with Kelly Lovati. She was CEO of Macomb County Chamber. We also had leaders from the construction industry, from finance, from uh, HR, and we learned a lot. It was a jam-packed show tonight, and I thank you for listening to Powering Michigan's Future. This has been Powering Michigan's Future live from the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference on beautiful Mackinac Island. I'm Lloyd Jackson. Thanks again for joining us right here on 760 WJR.